it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Hey there, Penn State fans. Bob Flounders, Johnny McGonigal. Wednesday, February 21st. February February is almost out the door, Johnny, although we do have a leap year day to deal with. There's going to be a 29th this year, but March is staring us dead in the face. Penn State fans, we got a, we got a bunch of Penn State stuff uh, to talk about. The, uh, the second-year players were made available recently uh, for the first time. Uh, we had a chance somehow to talk to them or a, a lot of them one way or the other. Uh, we're going to get Johnny's thoughts on, on a couple of the stories he's written uh, and just some thoughts on that class in general as they get ready for their second year. But, Johnny, I am not going to bury the lead. I didn't really realize it until I saw the text from you. I think it was on President's Day Monday. I had forgotten. Um, you Did you drive in the Daytona 500? There's a story. I think you were in the Daytona 500 or no. It was a bachelor party that was geared around the Daytona 500 and you were down there for the great race. I was, yeah, I, I did not drive in the Daytona 500, Bob. I would have crashed in the, in the, I wouldn't even made it to the sixth lap, which is when the first wreck happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was down there for a bachelor party. One of my buddies, my, one of my buddies from Delco, uh, a, a, g- a good crew of us went down and, uh, you know, we were disappointed on Sunday. We were staying in St. Augustine. So an hour plus outside Daytona and, you know, we're on the bus um, about halfway there when we officially get the news. We kind of knew that it was going to be delayed until Monday. Um, a good group of us was able to stick around and, uh, and and end up going to the great, great American John on uh, on on. To, it, it was it was a really good time. It was a really good time. It was my first NASCAR race. I, I you know, I, I'm not a NASCAR guy by any means, but I come away from that weekend um, potentially being a new fan of the sport. It was a, it was a phenomenal time. Uh, it kind of reminded me, you know, the the fair and the um, the atmosphere around it. Kind of reminded me of Texas, Oklahoma, when I was able to go to that uh, this past fall. So, really good time had by all. Uh, you know, Delco well represented at the Daytona 500. So many things I could ask you about that, but I do. My my, my takeaway though is Johnny, when you get a little time off um, and you get to be around your friends, and there's going to be like a destination, and you're not you're not maybe in in the state of Pennsylvania, you don't get cheated. I was going to mention you, you got a chance to be at that amazing uh, Texas OU game last year. I think it was on one of, I think it was on Penn State's bye week. I think, but uh, I know you had a great time then. You got to go. You got to go to the Daytona 500. Um, I think. I think this could be the start of a beautiful relationship between you and NASCAR. I'm not going to rule it out, but uh, it's a sport that could use a little. I think shot in the arm. I remember in the in the 80s, 90s, 70s, early aughts, it was it was a just a 
uh, people were fanatical about it. Uh, I don't know that that's still the case, but there still are a lot of people, especially in especially in Pennsylvania, that actually uh, the, the rural areas of Pennsylvania. I don't think Delco is rural, but it feels like it is. But I mean, it's it's a sport that I think that could use some support. So Johnny, if you're in, I'm in. Maybe you want to rent Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise and a young Nicole Kidman. Uh, Robert Duvall's in it. It's one of the weirdest 1990 movies I've ever seen, but it's must watch if you're into NASCAR. Well, Bob, I ended up watching the Netflix uh, Full Speed. It's basically their drive to survive uh, the week before going down, just to like put myself in the headspace of one, like who all these guys are, uh, and two, you know, just what to expect from a NASCAR race and and everything. And that was honestly really well done. Like if they're just sports fans that want to watch that, that need something to watch, uh, the NASCAR Full Speed on Netflix is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so that helped a lot. Um, you know, a few of the guys down there are big NASCAR guys that helps a lot too. Yeah. We came away, you know, on, on the ride back, <clears throat> excuse me. We were talking about, you know, going to Pocono or even going to Dover. So, um, if you and pickle and, uh, we can get, you know, some, some, uh, Penn State beat writers. Well, I, think pickle would be in. I think, yeah. I, don't, I think pickles not too far removed from being a full on NASCAR fan. I don't think we have to twist Pickle's arm too hard there. Uh, so maybe we can get a good contingent uh, to, to head up to Pocono and have a day. But yeah, um, it was great. It was a great time. Um, big fan. Big fan of Daytona. I did cover some races at Long Pond early in my journalistic career when I was at the Express Times in Easton. One, one note for any fans thinking about going to Pocono. Unless they change the setup, there's only one way in and one way out, so it's like harder to get out of than like a Penn State football game. So just make just know that you're going to be in it for the long haul if you go to Pocono. Oh, I mean, it took us because we ended up getting like a Sprinter van back for the group of us. It took us an hour. We got picked up, of course, Bob, in the Wawa parking lot across from Daytona Speedway. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you just didn't post up in the Wawa. We were considering it. I mean, we were in the Wawa parking lot for like 45 That's what minutes. Hermit done. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, of course, we had to pop in, make a pit stop, you know, grab a hoagie for the ride back. But that's uh, it's a crazy scene down there. It's absolutely insane. I mean, they put like 103,000 people in there, 102,000 people in there. Um, the Thunderbirds pre-race, you know, flying by doing, you know, one buzz the tower. It was it was pretty sick. All right, this is my Penn State transition, Johnny. I want you to grade me on this. I just came up with it on the fly, as I do with a lot of things in my career. Speaking of large objects that move fast, let's talk about Abdul Carter. How about that? How's that for a transition? That's a really good transition because he is like an he is like a race car when he's coming off the edge. I think so. Which is what he'll be doing in 2024. Yeah, yeah. I think we should just talk about that. I think a lot of Penn State fans, like, it's always funny when, when they announce these things. Um, and a lot of Penn State people, not, I shouldn't say Penn State fans, but people who cover Penn State, who think they cover Penn State, were, were speculating about this move of Abdul Carter to defensive end. And was it crazy? Why would they do it? What's the, what's the, what's the meaning behind this? Is it who made this decision? And I mean, the guy was six foot three, 250 pounds last year. I mean, you could make the argument for a lot of plays, they've used him like a defensive end prior to uh, maybe this year. I think it was a natural kind of evolution physically 
for Abdul, who's always been a guy that kind of carries the weight of a defensive end, has the athleticism to do so many different things. Um, I think I do think it's going to enhance his career. It's going to allow him to focus on what he does best, and that's just get after the quarterback. It's a move that I always thought that had had Micah Parsons um, not left Penn State after his second year. Um, if you remember, it was the co- 2020 would have been his third year, the COVID year. He he kind of he sat out that year to get ready for the draft. I mean, I I think that was something that Penn State would probably have done a little bit with Micah for his third year. But Johnny, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's going to free up. It's going to strengthen a good defensive end room. And they do like a lot of their young linebackers. So I just think it's going to make this def- this defense um, a lot more disruptive. Yeah, I think it helps everyone involved. Uh, you look at Abdul Carter first and foremost as a player. Rushing the passer is what he does best. I mean, he's really good in space. Uh, you know the sideline, the sideline speed. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know they still drop him back at linebacker sometimes and use him in that role. But uh, when you watch him get after the passer, I mean, there are a few better in college football when he is really turned on and really ready to go and, and just coming off the edge like that, bat out of hell style. Uh, I think he had 11 or 11 and a half sacks over the last two seasons. Um, and, and so I think it just really fits for him in the player that he is right now and projecting what he can be at the NFL. Uh, I think that's going to be what NFL teams will want him to do. And so I think uh, it's really good for him personally. I think it's really good for a defensive end room that loses Chop Robinson, that loses Adisa Isaac, you know, has denied Dennis Sutton coming back. And we've seen those flashes and what he can be, the former five star. But you look at what else in that room, it's a lot of potential, but not necessarily, um, you know, it's not necessarily concrete, right? I mean, Amin Vanover, uh, when healthy, has shown that he's a good player. Zariah Fisher coming back from the injury that he had. Um, you know, to fill in in a rotational role this past season, I thought did a, did a good job. And uh, and we've talked about Jamel Lyons, and I talked to Jamel last week, and we'll have a story coming up this week on him uh, and his role and what he hopes for out of his second season at Penn State after showing some good things as a true freshman. But those are still some questions, right? And and to slot in Abdul opposite to Dennis Sutton, uh, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a better or more disruptive and more physically imposing defensive end tandem, you know, in the Big Ten, and you look across the FBS and in the country. So uh, I, I think it's really good for Penn State's DN room. I think it's really good for Abdul Carter. I think it also shows a lot of confidence and, and is pretty telling of what they think about Tony Rojas, because uh, I think Tony Rojas as a sophomore will step into that role. Uh, you know, Tom Allen as a new DC might use a little bit more 4 2 5. Um, and obviously they, they used some of that last year, but. Um, I think you might only see two linebackers on the field, and it seeming seemingly would be Kobe King and uh, and probably Tony Rojas. And so, Tony has made a really good impression on the staff uh, in his you know twelve months, thirteen months, fourteen months now within the program. Uh, and I think it's a good sign for his development as well that they have the confidence in him uh, to step into that role potentially. Yeah, and I do think that uh, you know when I think about when I think about Abdul and kind of in a hybrid role, and I think about what Penn State's defense did last year when they got those three defensive ends on the field at the same time when they had, you know, when they had a healthy chop and a, health, and a, and a healthy Adisa and also uh, deny Dennis Sutton, they would put chop in the middle of the field, kind of like hovering over the A-gap. 
And now you have a natural linebacker or a guy that played linebacker who could play that role with maybe deny on the outside and either whether it's Jamil or whether it's Soraya or whether it's Amin, you have those three, you you kind of have three defensive ends on the field. I think he's tailor made for that alignment. Also with the way the schedule is going to be moving forward, you know, with the PAC 12 schools who want to throw the ball more, I think than maybe run it, whether it's USC, I don't know what UCLA is going to look like, but Washington uh, and even Oregon in those spread offenses. I think that, you want to get to the quarterback and disrupt uh, disrupt those guys. You saw what Michigan was able to do. I think I think you're right. I think really Penn State's future, unless they're playing Wisconsin or Minnesota, which they are this year, uh, is probably in a four-two-five look. And I, I do think that those are the two linebackers. I think Dom DeLuca is a guy that um, in, in a pass set might be he might be better maybe in, in that role. But Penn State's you know defense. Is always going to be going undergoing changes, and I think that Abdul as a as a defensive end, I think it's a smart move, Johnny, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't know that like, he needs to get any bigger. He's a pretty he pretty pretty big guy. I don't know I don't know if he can carry 260. Micah has kind of kept his weight uh, in check in the NFL, but I'm excited to see what he can do. I think it is going to be his best position moving forward. Um, you talked about Rojas, and I know that you've talked to him. Do you? I worry sometimes. Um, I really think he's going to be a special player. I worry sometimes that we put a little too not not you and I, but I think the expectations for him are so great um, in his second year. It would be nice to just let him kind of naturally kind of. There's going to be some bumpy spots, but I, I just I for the Penn State fans out there, I would give that give him about a month or six. Six weeks, um, assuming he does uh, have a starting role. But I, I just, I would just pump the brakes a little bit uh, on him because he's going to be learning a new defense, or it's not going to be the same defense. Johnny, I hope, I hope that Tony Rojas can live up to the expectations. He sure has the talent, but we need to give this guy a little time to kind of get comfortable. No, yeah, no, definitely, I agree, hundred percent, and and that's with every young player. I mean. Uh, you know, the story that I wrote about Javen Williams and, and his prospects and his potential, well, you know, I mentioned we'll be writing about, Jay, you know, Jamil Lyons, like all of these guys, um, you know, all these guys who were, uh, you know, freshmen last year coming in as sophomores now that are primed for bigger roles. Like you'll always have to, you know, keep your head about yourself and and make sure you're not getting too far ahead. Uh, but at the same time, there there is reason for a lot of optimism around Tony Rojas and it's not just the pedigree that he came in with. I mean, he was one of the top outside linebackers, you know, in the 2023 recruiting recruiting class, but, you know, talking to his teammates and especially before the peach bowl, you're talking to Curtis Jacobs and Curtis, who I've mentioned in the past is a great interview, very honest uh, with his assessments about everything uh, said that he thought Tony was ready to take over and that he saw, throughout the year last year, him grow off the field, you know, in the film room, asking questions and uh, taking notes. And uh, he saw a lot of himself in, in Tony um, in, in the way that he progressed as a freshman into his sophomore year. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think that you mentioned the sideline, the sideline speed with Abdul. I think Tony has that. He has the instincts. He was a running back as well in high school. Uh, so he's got the speed and the spatial awareness. Uh, I think you won at linebacker. Um, has made a few big plays already in his career. You look at the Maryland game, you know, playing a lot in the Peach Bowl. Um, but you know, he's a guy who, as soon as he stepped on campus, 
uh, in winter workouts last year and spring camp last year made made a splash, made an early impression on his teammates, on the coaching staff. And I think that's only continued, you know, throughout the 2023 season. And now as we get into winter workouts with spring ball, uh, a, a couple, a few weeks away now, Bob, um, I would expect Tony to continue uh, that upward trajectory uh, into being, you know, a starting linebacker for this team uh, this upcoming season. And that's not to, you know, overlook or overshadow. You mentioned Dom DeLuca. Uh, there are some other linebackers in the mix there as well. Um, <clears throat> but Tony seems like he's primed uh, for a big step forward. And yeah, there's going to be growing pains. But at the same time, there's always growing pains with young players. And so um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how Tom Allen you know, uses him and how he takes to Tom Allen's coaching because uh, Manny Diaz recruited Tony Rojas and uh, they built a really strong bond over the last year. And and Tony said that he was a little hurt by, you know, Manny leaving for Duke, but that's the business of college football. You have to deal with that uh, and move on. And uh, yeah, just interested to see how he develops and, and you know, the reports at a camp as we uh, as we look forward to March and April. So Penn State, uh, Johnny, came out with an updated roster with last week, but always interesting to note uh, what they do is they'll update the some some weights. There'll be some position changes. Got to pay attention. They try and sneak them past you. Um, but uh, I know that we both took a look at the roster. And I was going to say, especially maybe if not, not necessarily just the 2023 group that's now in its second year, we could talk about them. But um, I know there were a couple of position changes other than Abdul. Did anything, whether it was uh, weight gain or position changes, um, did anything else kind of jump out uh, at you? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the position changes, uh, obviously Abdul was the headliner, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, Makai Flowers uh, moving from the defensive side of the ball in the secondary uh, to wide receiver uh, to a room that we've talked about at length uh, that, you know, struggled at times uh, last season, to, to put it mildly. And, you know, has a cluster of guys there that are really trying to break out and trying to stand out, um, especially, you know, you look beyond spring ball uh, where there are going to be portal departures, um, just given the scholarship situation that Penn State has in front of itself right now. Uh, Makai Flowers making a move to wide receiver where he excelled in high school, you know, former Penn Live player of the year in 2020 uh, at, you know, um, a seal high and then and then then at CD East. I mean, the kid had over 200 receptions in four years in high school. Uh, so we know that he can play the position. It's just a matter of if you know he can make an impact at the at the power five level, at the Big Ten level. And so he'll be trying his hand there. And I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. Uh Lamont Payne moving from uh corner to safety is not really a surprise. He kind of seemed like um a guy pegged for that move when he uh, enrolled in the 2023 recruiting class coming from Chartiers Valley, uh, making that switch that Keaton Ellis made uh, corner to safety. And it, it's a kind of a luxury move, I think, at the safety position at least, because he's not going to be expected to, to start or anything. I mean, they, they're pretty locked in, I think, uh, with KJ Winston and Jalen Reed at safety with Zaki Wheatley, um, you know, being that third guy. Uh, and so, and then you have King Mack, who, you know, played a good bit at safety. And more so on special teams, but getting it on defense as well as a true freshman last year, burning that red shirt. Uh, so intrigued to see how Lamont Payne uh, develops uh, at safety as well. Yeah. 
Um, the one, the one that I was a little curious about, and I do, I, I try and take the, the listed weights as real weights. And I know that sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes guys will, will reshape their bodies and then in the summer they'll take off some weight. But the one I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned safety. Um, so Dakari Nelson, a redshirt freshman, uh, from Alabama now listed at safety at 6'3", 223. So my question for you is, is that weight coming off Johnny at some point? Or, is he, or, or, or should we just put the linebacker designation on him sooner rather than later? I don't know uh, that I've seen too many 223-pound safeties. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this weight, this is, this, this is listed as correct. I think he was 203 or around there uh, when he got to Penn State. So he's put on a lot of weight. What do you make of that? Well, first of all, what do you what did what did you make of him as a prospect? And you mentioned safety; it's it's getting pretty crowded. Um, but what Dakari Nelson at two twenty three? If that is correct, I know he's six three, but that is a big safety. Yeah, I mean Dakari as a prospect, I loved him as a prospect. Penn State loved him as a prospect coming out of uh, Alabama, and a lot of SEC schools were on him late, and uh, even, you know Florida State, some some of the schools down south. Uh, we're really pushing to flip him uh, late in the recruiting process, and and he held firm with Penn State, and the staff was thrilled about that uh, because they do see a really bright future for Zakari. Um, you know, he didn't make an impact really as as a true freshman, uh, but putting on that weight, Bob, is is really interesting because you look at what Tom Allen has done in the past. You know, we mentioned that four two five defense, but you know, likes to move guys around sometimes, kind of in a rover spot, safety linebacker. Uh, and I think Takari seems primed to be that, or you know, at maybe not this upcoming season, um, but you know, working in and then and then becoming more of a a real significant piece in 2025. Uh, and that's not to that's not to say he can't do that this year, but uh, he is a very talented player. And and seeing that weight gain, you know, you don't want to make too much of it because it is February and. Yeah, maybe he sheds 10, 15, you know, once the season gets going. And uh, you never know how that will fluctuate as the months and you know, really days, weeks, months go by. But uh, I love them as a prospect. And I, I love I'm, I'm really eager and excited to see what kind of player uh, he turns out to be for this Penn State defense. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Bob Flounders joined by NASCAR Johnny McGonigal. I don't know if that nickname is going to stick, but it's going to stick at least through the remainder of this podcast. Johnny, we're, we're about 22 minutes in. I, uh, I teased Penn Live's 
uh, Penn State tech subscribers uh, yesterday. I said, hey, we're going to Johnny and I are going to do a podcast, assuming he makes it back from the deep, deep south. And uh, if you guys have any good questions. Uh, why don't you pass them along? We'll pick one to talk about. And I thought one of the questions uh, that caught my eye, I had, I had written something about Cam, uh, Cam Wallace, who is a redshirt freshman running back. It's crowd. It's a crowded, crowded running back room at the moment, at least for this year. Um, but they, you know, they do have, they have Gatron Allen. They have Nick Singleton. Uh, they have Quentin Martin, who looks like he is tearing it up in the winter workouts. It's a true freshman. A lot of people thought he was a top player in PA. Physically, he looks ready. Uh, but I had written something uh, about Cam Wallace, but I got a question from Randall T. And his question is, and I know you can speak to this because you wrote something about this. The question is, how come I never hear anything about London Montgomery, the running back? He is a uh, second year running back. He redshirted from Scranton Prep, missed his final uh, missed his final high school year with a serious knee injury, but presumably he's close. He's got to be close to hundred percent. Anyway, Randall TS, he should be healthy by now. Isn't he doing well, Johnny? I know you wrote about this. I'll let you have first crack at this. Yeah. I, I think with London coming in when he did a missing the senior season at Scranton prep and, and the, and the, the severity of the injury that he had uh, ACL, et cetera, you know, that's tough. That's tough to one come in, even if you were fully healthy, uh, to come into a running back room uh, with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Trey Potts, uh, who transfers in from Minnesota, is that veteran presence in the room and, and your clear number three guy. I think it was going to be hard for him to make an impact last year, uh, even if he didn't have that injury uh, that kept him out of his senior year at Scranton Prep. And so, you know, to, to have that, to, to look ahead on the depth chart and see that, and then to, you know, actively recovering and, and getting back to 100%. And not just from like a health standpoint, you know, that your knee is fully ready to go, but that you are, you know, you're, you're mentally good and, and you are, you know, you're making the cuts and everything is natural. And, you know, that stuff takes time and it's different for everyone. And so I think that definitely played a, a factor, a major factor uh, into why we didn't see London Montgomery last year. And, you know, to the point of Cam Wallace, I mean, he was a kind of an under the radar last minute signing for Penn State uh, to provide some depth uh, at running back. And, you know, Jaywan Sider talking to him, you know, I go back to a conversation I had with him last summer and, and even talking to him throughout the season. Like he likes those two guys a lot. Uh, and, and them bringing in, you know, Quentin Martin and Corey Smith, uh, the four star from Wisconsin, uh, doesn't I, I wouldn't say. You know, bringing those two guys in speaks volumes about like, oh, he doesn't like London Montgomery or Tim Wallace. I don't think it says that at all. <clears throat> but this Penn State running back room, you know, that has built a, you know, at least recently a legacy of putting, you know, some running backs in the league and, and producing some good ones. I think Journey Brown would have been in the league if not for his health, um, you know, his health condition. Uh, it, it's just a matter of getting as much talent in that room as possible. And so I'm intrigued to see what kind of spring. You know, London Montgomery ends up having and Cam Wallace, especially with the competition now uh, from Quentin Martin for you know, number three reps. And uh, and I still think Quentin Martin can get on the field in the slot and provide some receiving help. Um, that's a long way of saying, you know, it, it's it has been kind of like what's going on, you know, with with the two 2023 running back signees. But because uh, we haven't seen them, but we will, I, I think, find out more over the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, throughout spring ball, talking to some of these coaches about 
what these guys uh, can offer this team uh, in 2024 and beyond. Johnny, one thing I noted about uh, your piece, I think you wrote it in mid-October, or specifically you talked to Jaywan Sider about a lot about those two guys, uh, Montgomery and Wallace. Jaywan said, hey, uh, since, since, since Cam got here, he's been able to put on some good weight. London still needs to do that. At the time, London was listed at 185. He's only 186 now. I know there's different – I mean, there, that doesn't mean he didn't get stronger, but – at 186, um, I don't know uh, in the schedule that Penn State plays. I don't know if he still needs to add a little bit more uh, size. I think Wallace is listed on the depth chart. He might be at like one, uh, just a, a, about 199, something like that. Typically, though, Penn State likes their backs to be, if not at 200 pounds, a little more. Uh, Nick Singleton's a freak, and he can play. He can play at 225 and still run. You know. Four three or whatever it is, but I wonder if maybe London still is in the process of reworking his body, and maybe the the knee injury delayed a little bit of that. But I'll be curious to see if by August, if he, by the time August rolls around, if he's not in the one nineties, I think he does. If that weight's right, he probably Johnny needs to get a little bit bigger. Definitely no, yeah, for, no for sure. I mean, you talk about Nick Singleton, Katron. I think Katron's at what two twenty, two fifteen. Um, so yeah, especially in the big 10, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the pack 12 schools coming in and spread offense, all that kind of stuff, but you still need to be able to withstand not only the brunt of like the big 10 schedule, but just the, just a 12 game, you know, regular season schedule. And, and to be a running back in the big 10, you, I think you have to be North of 200, if not 205, 210. Uh, and so, yeah, London definitely has some work to do in that area, but, um, that's not to say he can't get that done. Johnny, I'm glad you survived the Daytona experience. Good talking with you. No travel issues. Always a concern in February. I hope you're getting de- rehydrated. Uh, that's what bachelor parties do to you, man. I hope you're getting close to uh, 100% rehydration. We have a lot to get to. The uh, We talked about this. <laughs> we talked. Uh, see, I, I just wish that everyone wasn't just listening to this podcast. And and they are watching it because they're missing they're missing the visual element of Johnny in his uh, southern fla- southern fried shades. Uh, he's he's got them on. They look amazing. But Johnny, between you know between draft preparation, between the combine getting ready uh, sooner, it's gonna be it's gonna be here really quick. And they got ten guys there. Between those two things, I think there's gonna be a strength and conditioning availability before the start of spring practice. Um, you know, all those things, pro day, um, the calendar is going to start to fill up Penn State fans. We're going to have a lot more uh, to talk about. But, uh, yeah, we thought we would talk a little bit about the second year Penn State guys, uh, Abdul Carter, and kind of how he fits moving forward. Johnny, I'll talk to you soon. Keep hydrating. Keep wearing those shades. You should definitely wear If you ever go back to Delco, I know you, I know you got some serious Delco roots. I think if you're in the summer, this summer, you're going to spend some time in Delco. I think those shades are a grade A fit for the Delco crowd. That and and Delco South in CIL City, New Jersey. I think I think at the at the outside at the OD, uh, it would be it would be quite a play. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>